Welcome to Remarkable, a podcast about the families all over the world who love someone with Rett syndrome. Thanks for joining us for part two of my chat with Caroline. As I mentioned in part one, Caroline and I had such an emotional talk for the podcast and I thank her and her family so much for being open about the things that people don't usually talk about. We thought it was an important issue, not only around Rett syndrome families, but other special needs families and neurotypical families also. In this episode, we talk about where Caroline found support regarding her Rett syndrome diagnosis, the importance that dads have in this Rett syndrome world, grief, and what advice she would give other families going through a separation or divorce. Here's part two of my chat with Caroline. Okay, so going back to Charlotte, what are what are her biggest challenges at the moment? I think it still is communication. She's, yeah. I mean, you know, we've got a great support with the Toby and, and the Pod, and I, and I think, um, I think it's it's still communication because I still feel that even though her being at the um the school that she's at that runs that conductive ed program, it's all about bringing the child out of their disability, you know, so they're not that kind of passive response to life. Like that's a big um, part of the program, which is what I really liked about it. And Charlotte has become a lot less passive in um, just kind of, you know, in that kind of observing role, just like I'm sitting back, I'm happy. I'm quite happy to watch what other people are doing. I, like I don't feel like I need to participate. I guess I'm quite, I'm quite aggressive. <laughs> because <laughs> I'm always trying to pull people out and do stuff and maybe I should I'm just thinking I was out with some friends last night and yep I did that exact same thing pulling people on the dance floor one person was very resistant to this day still and I keep on doing it I haven't let them listen anyway so yeah with Charlotte I do exactly the same thing yeah I still think with Charlotte I feel that if she can communicate what she wants more of what she um to just kind of make her realize more um that she's got a voice People want to hear it, not just her mum. She's got something to contribute to this world for her life, for other people's lives. And I'm just, I I think that's the biggest challenge for me to, she's got everything set up, but for her to do it, you know, is another thing. And I think maybe that's something that I haven't realised, that maybe she doesn't want to talk as much as I want her to talk. And I have to accept that on some level, but I'm always trying to, I just think that if she, if she can talk more then we can do things more for her that she might want or would understand her doesn't she doesn't tend to get as frustrated now these days because she does have that system in place and she does talk a lot to her teachers and EAs at school which is great but she loves walking mm. she would love to be walking 24 7 all the time by herself without security walking you can see the joy in her face like just loves it and I, and I try and let her do that as much as I can but obviously physically I don't because I'm trying not to let her fall she has fallen only once so in terms of her challenges I'm just trying to think of her wish list you know if I could do anything what would I want to do more she would love to just walk around I think outside on on in in trails like walk trails like for hold the whole day stop for a snack and keep walking she just loves doing that so challenge is being able to set up um, the time and secure environment for her to be able to talk and walk. That sounds so basic, doesn't it? That's the thing about Rett syndrome. It's mm. it's these basic things, the little things that are the big things that are stripped away from our kids that we want them to have. So we're trying to do all these things to make sure that they can do it. So and it's I, taken I think for granted those two things. You might like for someone that doesn't have a Rett syndrome child or hasn't isn't aware of this world that we're living in. They might think walking, talking. That just sounds kind of basic. Don't you have bigger dreams for your child? But actually 
they're very important dreams yeah. be able to communicate to express how they feel and the, their wants and their needs and also around pain around their pain the emotional pain their physical pain that they're in you know communication is a huge huge challenge to i would say all Rett syndrome kids and walking you know they might think oh you, you know they're okay you know not walking if they're not walking or you know but to be walking freely and safely is a huge issue for our family personally too because like you said the risk of falling is is a huge thing and my daughter Jovi has had um, custom helmets made through her neurologist because of the seizures she she has drop seizures and she also just has coordination issues so walking is a huge thing and I think that would be the dream to to let them just walk freely and safely Absolutely. to go on a hike yeah. that would be amazing because of the outside you know fresh Absolutely. air you know to yeah. explore the world yeah i and i can totally relate to those two things what are charlotte's favorite things to do apart from walking yeah walking so she does love um she loves being on the trampoline uh we've got a trampoline it's it's kind of george's trampoline george's always loved the trampoline though now being a cool teenager, she's not on it as much. So that, that's better because, I mean, she can be on it more. Um, but she loves, yeah, I mean, because that gives her access, you know, there's a tree. She loves the physical movement of, of, um, of bouncing. I mean, I either hold her standing and I bounce and she, mm. she'll, you know, have that movement or, or on the joints or we'll sit down or we'll lie down and I'll bounce and she loves mm. that as well. So we could be out there for maybe half an hour, an hour. Um, sometimes we, she might fall asleep out there if it's a nice day because underneath some um, trees, some shade. Mm. Um, she loves being she loves being near water. We did have a bath before. She used to love her bath, but because of wasn't able to financially do the whole bath kind of modification, but we've got a wheelchair accessible. Even though Charlotte can stand, um, yeah. standing for too long on wet services, it turns yeah. to me trying to hold her or a carer. So we Thank do have you. a bath kind of chair a shower chair kind of coming soon yeah but um but she loves having a shower she absolutely loves it just that water i mean i love having a shower still Who so doesn't? yeah yeah she just loves it so she loves she loves having a shower lo- loves having a bath if she had a bath before um she does love being at the beach um i don't usually take her in extreme water temperatures an issue for charlotte i find um too hot or too cold so we mm. more more than ever just kind of sit on the sand and let the waves come and splash with us if it's mm. not too wavy we'll i'll walk with her assistant in in the waves um but there is a beach that is quite flat most of the time but i find like she likes the movement like the wind she likes the movement of the waves because that's more exciting than a flat beach so i'd usually go to the not as accessible beach because she appreciates that more because it's more exciting with the waves and um there's usually more people there doing more exciting things at the bigger beach as well so she likes looking at that so she loves that um she loves driving she loves we were in a mm-hmm. hyundai imax um so it's obviously higher she can see everything um, she just loves drives, loves going on a drive. Like I remember one of her birthday parties a few years ago, her birthday being at the end of November and Perth's always just horrifically, disgustingly hot. I love the hot weather, but not when it's 40 degrees. And oh, her God. birthday is always, just almost always a disgustingly 40 degree day, which is such mm. a shame because we like to be outside, but on those days she just can't be. No. So I think this is one of the last birthdays we had to try and do it outside, like with no other option of coming inside anywhere. And it was a disgusting, humid, 40-degree day. 
the whole party. She just really wasn't a fan, mm-hmm. even though we tried to go in the afternoon when the sea breeze came in. But this particular day, there was zero sea breezes. Yeah. These things work. So she was just not having a great day. The party was, was a lot shorter than what we anticipated. As soon as we got into the car, apart from the AC on, happy days. So she had basically mm-hmm. opened her birthday presents in the car because she just loves being She's got a great supportive wheelchair, but just that whole thing of being up high in the car, being able to see everything out, it's bright, it's light, even when it's raining. She's just that's such a happy place for her. So that's almost a plan B for out and about. If she's having a bad moment, that's okay. Let's go to the car for five minutes, reset and come back out if we can. She's just so happy. Loves being there. She loves a lot of music. So she loves music videos, loves watching music videos. I mean, the iPad is our kind of security blanket we take with us and Mark, um, he tries to upload them more often than not, but there's like little segments from movies that he mm. like actual music videos from pop artists influenced by Georgia um, and music videos from movies, like things that she's liked or not liked. So we've got, whenever we've brought along to therapy, a lot of therapists love it because it's like old school stuff, like sound of music videos oh, and wow. Annie <laughs> musical videos wow. and just lots of old stuff and new stuff, you know, like from Despicable Me, like the happy song and just seg- um, basically videos from lots of movies. So she's got two iPads, chocker full of different mark does all that stuff which is great so she loves watching them like quite often more often than not we'll always have that with us either to hear or to see or actually mm-hmm. just to watch he's also uploaded some pepper pig stuff on there as well um that we've always got there mm-hmm. for her so so right now she didn't really like pepper pig years ago something about pepper pig now just absolutely giggles we dress up as pepper pig for book week this week um yeah. this year um, just loves loves it. Like there's this alphabet sequence that Peppa Pig don't do, and she just she I think she can watch that twenty four seven at the moment. <laughs> she's just giggling. She's like, crying with laughter. Actually, it's just oh, wow. I should film her. It's just so joyful. Every time every time she sees that, she really loves it. Another really favorite in terms of just the video part of it. She loves this sequence. Which she does love the Wiggles, not as much these days, but she mm. loves. We've got it on her one of her iPads. It's um, Cats and Feather Sword and Mags the Dog. They do this little um, skit of Cats and Feather Sword missing his hat and the hat, if he doesn't have the right hat, then he can't do his normal dancing. So it's the whole thing of like, oh, my God, I've lost my hat. Wags, can you help me? So they're trying to put on different hats and him trying to dance and he falls on his face and Charlotte just cacks it. She just absolutely <laughs> loves it. Even though she's said it so many times, it's like it's such a big favourite. So she loves that. Um, in terms of interest, in terms of I'm always trying to look at what things you might be interested in as a learning thing for communication and just other things apart from, um, cause I'm just thinking, you know, she's nine about to be 10. Mm. You know, some kids love the nonfiction stuff, like the science stuff. She seems to be showing a bit of an interest in science stuff at school. Um, so I'm always trying to find things that are matching her interest that I've heard of from school or trying to expose her to different things. So she's loving, she loves human body stuff. She, there's a, there's a show on TV, like two English twins, the doctors, they're quite cute, easy on the eye, these doctors. Charlotte <laughs> likes to look like, him a whole like all of us. And, um, she, like, but but they're quite quirky and they go into schools and they talk to kids that might have had an, um, an operation or need an operation and they talk about different things of the body in a very child-appropriate way with, you know, fancy diagrams and and that's on usually past her bedtime. But if she's having not, not a bad day, she's not too tired, quite often we'll watch that till 7 o'clock. She's just, like, fascinated. So we've got lots of books on human body things and, um, one of them she got as her teacher, one of her teachers got her a human body book. So what, apart, uh, uh, maybe last year, she when, when I gave her options of which book she wanted to read, she quite would often go to this human body book that we've got. And um, 
and then I'd go through a different section. I do want to talk about the gardens. For one, last year, she always wanted to go to that page in the book, so she loved that. I'm not sure what she likes this year. Loves dressing up, actually. Loves very, very different to Georgia and me. Very girly girl. Loves sequins, loves pink, loves sparkly things, unicorns, all that kind of princessy fairy stuff she loves, which horrified me at the start because I'm not that kind of girly yeah, girl. But she just naturally like gravitated towards. I'm like going, I was kind of horrified, but kind of also thought, you know, I'm glad because I'm glad that she's going towards something that I'm not pushing in her. So that really shows yeah. me that she wants it, you know, that she loves it. So um, she's got lots of, um, she's got this, we add into it every year, like a, they're very decorative, like the little fairy on a horse. She does love her horse riding. She does that once a week through riding for disability association. And the first six months that she did it like schooling, she absolutely hated it, screamed the whole place down. Yeah. I kept on talking to the trainers going, should we not be doing this? Because maybe <laughs> this isn't a good fit. They're going, look, we've seen this kind of resistance from kids, but if, if you're happy to go through it and it's not too hard on you, we're happy to go for as long as we think, Charlotte, because she can't get a good banner. I said, yeah, I know, that's fine. But I just don't know if the screaming is too much for you or for the other yeah, other yeah. kids, you know. And the other parents said, well, don't worry about the screaming because they'll be older than the other kids. They're going, we, we've seen a few kids do that. Not every kid. Um, but if you're, ha- if you're not too – because it's just it's so – you're beside yourself. Am I doing the right? Am I pushing too yeah. much? Is this too much tough love? You know, but I'm glad we got through it because she loves it now. Loves all the people, the trainers, the assistants. It's outside. They go on trial walks. She's always got two people with her, one person holding the horse, one person there to kind of yeah. staying on the horse. It's yeah. made her so much stronger. And it's her thing to do on a Saturday. And Georgia does netball or other stuff. She gets to go out and be part of the community as well. So she loves that. We've recently started dancing, a dancing class. I've always wanted her to like go to a dancing class because but it, it was usually on Saturday mornings and I didn't want to not do horse riding because that gives her so much and she's we're in the routine and she loves it. But one came up on Thursday afternoons and also after school, she was always been so tired. But I found in the last year, I guess being older and more accustomed to managing her energy levels or maybe everything's just working in terms of how she's eating and all that kind of thing. She is, has got a little bit of energy in her still after school to, to do an activity like, say, for dancing. So I took her along for a trial dancing. It is a special needs dancing class because I thought mm-hmm. a regular dance class would be too focused on physical abilities, not all the other parts of a dance class. Yeah. Um, and is actually run by a teacher that works in a special needs school who does this class, which is really cool. Half of her students are in the class. Basically, that first dance class, we didn't do much dancing because all the other kids were on top of Charlotte or me, being the new student. Yeah. They were big fans of Charlotte. And um, the movements itself are very hard for Charlotte because, yes, Charlotte is mobile and she's strong. But even to me, like even the most basic dance class, like it's all different, you know, stretching up, stretching down, moving to the side. So I'm basically behind her, moving her limbs and body. The smile on her face mm. is just priceless because I was behind her as if she was doing it and she was around. Kids were like literally on either side of her. Mm. The teacher had to keep on saying, look, can you just let Charlotte do the exercise? Do the dancing? She can't move. Mm. Um, but she was just looking at them and she was part of a group of people, kids her age. Um, she was just so happy. There was a part in this dance class where, um, and we didn't push her, We the teacher said, the teacher modified a few of the things because we weren't able to stand for a lot of the time and do all the exercises. So we actually sat and just did the arm part, not the leg part. Mm. And I was physically doing it with the hand. So with the Charlotte with Rett syndrome, I'm not sure what other girls are like, but she can't, she doesn't have the control of her hands like other kids do. Mm. You know, she can't, she doesn't wave every now and then once every few weeks, she might put up a hand and kind of make a part waving gesture and it's deliberate and it's focused and 
it's like at the point of goodbye. So it's like, that's so awesome. If you didn't do that, that in terms of that processing, I know that would have taken yeah. a lot. So if you, for all that to work at the same time and you do it, look us in the eyes and do it, that is awesome. That's fantastic. But she doesn't often have that capability. So I was sitting behind her in the dance class and they were doing lots of different, and I was moving her hands um, as much as I could. Sometimes she will get a bit tense when she's under pressure as well. So I was trying to be relaxed to do it with her. So anyway, we're doing all this stuff in a circle and then the teacher said, oh, one other thing that we do in the class is, and there's no pressure on you, Charlotte, to do it today. Everyone can stand up in the middle of the circle. All these kids were very physically able. Mm. Um, the conditions there were, there was no Rett syndrome, there was Down syndrome, there was some cerebral palsy, there was some autism. They were all verbal, they were all physically able. Um, so Charlotte was probably the most challenged in that class, I guess. Mm-hmm. So they all got up, did their three dance moves and then bow. And then it came to Charlotte's turn and everyone was like, the other kids were going, oh, Charlotte, can I do it? And and I said to Charlotte, I said, would you like to do it? You don't have to. And she does a body rock for yes or a nod for yes. Obviously nodding's harder. So usually her body rock is a yes or looking away for no. Her whole body was like almost <laughs> on the floor for her yes. So, so we got up, up with her. She did a bit of a twirl and a bit of a arm movement to some music. The biggest smile ever. Everyone cheered and we sat down. It was like, oh, my God, oh that's my so goodness. great. So um, so we'll definitely go back. We didn't go back on Thursday. She was, we've all had a bit of a low-level virus this week, so she was really yeah. That's the thing with these, these our kids, like something mm-hmm. as minor as like a little cold, like we might get it for two days. They get it for like a week of energy loss or at least yeah. more, you know, they can't do anything apart from yep. they sometimes not even go to school. So, um, so I'm not going to push it to do the Thursday class, but when we can, we're going to go um, because it's not just the physical movement. It's like being around a peer group, you know, because all these mm. kids were just chatting to her and she was and the social skills. With- social skills it was huge yeah. she was smiling she wasn't she charlotte would do sounds when she's trying to talk like even when i come and bless you even when i come and pick up um her from her dad's house and the doors open i mean she doesn't she said mama to me a few times on the toby but it's more the sounds like the ha- i call it chirping like almost birds and not that i think she's a bird but i talk about her as chirping or sometimes even I was, we were calling her not in a derogatory way, but Chewbacca because Chewbacca makes lots of amazing sounds, you know, from Star yeah. Wars, like happy sounds, angry sounds. Yeah. And I showed, I said to Charlotte, I showed her some videos one day and I said, Charlotte, she's seen, she's seen some Star Wars, which she hasn't minded, hasn't really gelled on her as mm. much as I thought it might have. But um, I showed her some chewy videos and I'm like going, I don't think you're a hairy big creature, but I think you and him <laughs> share like similar ways of talking with your sounds. And I, and I showed it to her. She just, I don't think she was impressed. She didn't like the visual. I don't think but we'll, re- we'll revisit that another time. But um, as soon as I come in and see her and she was doing, and she hasn't done this in the class, but I know she will eventually she'll, she'll make this like, uh, like really happy, like kind of grunt almost. And, um, and I know, because I'll say, hi, Charlotte, you know, because she always hears and sees the carpool up and she'll do this really happy grunt even before I can see her. And then I come in and she's like doing her body rock dancing in the chair, which is a happy kind of dance. And then I'll see her. But yeah, so dancing, writing for the disabled, music, does love stories. I just mm-hmm. find it's hard to give her enough range of stories to pick from. So I'll usually pick up five that I think she might be interested in. And sometimes we go to the library. She likes the experience of going to the library and picking up but all these things are quite time managed so i've probably got about half an hour when we're in those kind of environments because if there's too many people there or Mm. you're just having a bit of a low energy moment i don't usually push it beyond half an hour or an hour i think they're a favorite things what else she just she really just likes hanging out with someone with people that she knows like she just i reckon if apart from walking and doing all those other things if she can just have someone she loves her carer her carer's been away for a few months 
Um, she loves just hanging out and that's quite often the carers will, if they're not, you know, doing any of the personal care things, they'll just be sitting together and watching something. She just absolutely loves that, loves that time and that energy and that presence. And I think that's another thing that I've learned um, being on this journey with Charlotte, just how time and how presence being right there, right there in the moment with you for five minutes, mm. how important that is for her and how much she needs it as well. And how it's a good reminder for, for me to be more present just in general for everyone. But, um, and myself as well. So she just loves hanging out with people that observing usually her natural thing is, 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 is observing more than contributing, but she's quite happy to just hang out with someone, whether it's a cuddle or just sitting right with her and just, I guess, feeling included, I guess, isn't it? Yeah. She just likes hanging out. Not being alone. Not being alone. Yeah. Yeah. So we got, when I got, when we got the early, that diagnosis at two and a half, Mm. because at that time I didn't know that, what Ritz syndrome was really I've got even now as you said before you're still learning about it mm. I didn't know whether she'd be able to learn I didn't know whether her brain would stay at a level of one or two years old I didn't I didn't know like the capacity for I guess intellectual growth or yeah. that kind of thing you know and whether she she would just want to watch the same show for the next 20 years and that worried me because I thought well and if that's the case, that's the case. I'm going to go with it because I'm going to go with whatever it is, but I don't want to limit her yeah. if she doesn't have to be limited. So I think, I think with any diagnosis, you have to be open to like, and that's what they know now. Yeah. That might not be all there is. So just keep exposing your child to things that are age appropriate, include yeah. them in your life. Um, one thing that I got out of the Agoshi conference that um, I wanted to share as well with this is that, I myself am so scared for Charlotte to have negative social experience in social situations, you know, whether it's people pointing at her or not including her or treating her, you know, a less par way, I guess, you know, talking down to her and not realising that she can understand and can, she gets it, you know, she's not someone that's just in a chair and that's vacant to the world. Mm. And one of the speakers, Jackie Mills, she's got an older child with cerebral palsy, you know, she said, you know, be brave, like give your child these experiences of having the opportunity to have a connection. It's going to be with someone that you might never have encouraged and that's okay, but let them have that experience, you know, take them out. One thing that she said was, you know, try and find in your own family and social group, maybe if you, you know, if, if, if their grand, if your dad goes to the footy and that's what her, in her experience, like she was looking at and kind of potential social journeys or experiences for her her son you know, like my dad goes to the footy, like the local footy every Saturday. Is that something that my son could go along with potentially, even with another carer where I'm not there so that he can have the opportunity to experience something else and have that relationship with his granddad. So that's what he still does now. It's amazing. He goes out and, and the, the gra- has given the granddad an opportunity to have a relationship with his grandkid without mum being there, you know, and like, and, and have that relationship with his, his own social group and then expose his grandchild to that social group. And it's such a win-win situation. And I never thought of things like that before. I was always like, Oh, you know, to control it, you know, what's the best environment for Charlotte? It's like, I don't know what the best environment, because I don't know what to expose it to. So I haven't done that yet. But one thing that I took away from the Agoshi conference is to look at my own right now, mm where's something where that Charlotte can maybe go along and experience. And if it's a good fit with that family member or a good friend, maybe she can build on that. And then from that experience, make other connections because as this woman said, she's going, you know, that relationship, 
the relationship to to feel needed to I mean to feel needed to feel wanted to feel heard mm-hmm. to feel understood by all of us human beings that that's the precursor to a good quality of life regardless mm-hmm. of how old you live that not just fitness and not just all the therapy and stuff it's that those quality relationships so it's like I need to do that for Charlotte and I think people need to I wish I actually heard her speak when Charlotte was younger. I'm glad that I've heard it now, but um, I think that's something that people, they feel like they can't give that to their kid or their, ch- you know, their child or, or if it's an adult with a disability. And that's the thing, because apart from giving you that, that you're not the only friend in your child's life, you're denying them of that experience of having other connections as well. But it's so hard to do. And I haven't done that yet, but I, but I want to do it. So I just had one last question for you. And, it was, what is your advice to other Rett Syndrome parents that may have also gone through a separation or divorce? Because obviously that change in dynamics takes a toll on the whole family and on you yourself. Yeah, I think um, it's so hard to just think of doing the best for your child or children. And that's obviously the main thing that I went into when I, when we do, it was like a, it was a mutual thing, a separation and a divorce. So for me at that time, and I still believe that it's like, well, how can I provide financially somewhere safe, somewhere familiar? I hadn't worked for seven years before that. I hadn't been working since Charlotte was um quite little and I was part-time with Georgia. So for me, the moment that we decided to separate in my head straight away, it was like, I need to keep things as normal as I can. So physically that was going to be, I need to be in this family home. So I need, and how do I get that? I need to, I need to get working again. So within four weeks I was back at work, which I'm still surprised I was able to do that despite everything going on. I got back a similar job, um, which was good. Um, So I was able to kind of do that financial part of it. And then the other tricky part was fighting for custody. So I didn't want to do shared care. I wanted to be really the 100% parent because I feel like I had been anyway. Mark didn't want to do that. That was, um, we actually went through legal aid. Because I was in such a raw place emotionally from the marriage dissolving and obviously what now, you know, as if you don't already have that for your own kids and then special needs parenting even more so what now in terms of the future financially, emotionally, I thought I need to do this right. I'm not in a good place to do it myself. I don't think I'll be representing myself the best. So I asked around, I do have a friend that's actually um, a lawyer, civil lawyer, and she said, look, because I know you and Mark, I don't really want to do that Mm -hmm. for you, but I can recommend a friend. So glad she recommended me this kick-ass lawyer. He's amazing. (laughs) She um, really helped me emotionally get through all those tricky bits, you know, because it's... um, you have to put your stuff down on paper. You have to put down your financial stuff, your emotional stuff. I was grieving through the whole process, even though I know I had to be done. I'm pretty good at tough love, you know, doing what needs to be done, pulling out sacks and got on with it. That's not to say I don't do it without a fight. So it's, it's so draining. It's so emotional. So people going through something similar, I would say, yeah, it's hard. It's, you don't wish it on your, on your worst enemy. It's not something for the faint-hearted. Yeah, you become stronger at the end of the day. You don't have to become bitter through it. You can still remain open to the world and to love. Make sure you've got good people. If you can't get a lawyer, and what I eventually did go through with this lawyer's assistance, because I couldn't keep financially paying for it. It's so expensive, all this lawyer stuff is 
it's definitely not a myth. It's definitely a situation that's mm-hmm. expensive. This lawyer actually does some legal aid work herself as part of a business. So straight away, she said, look, I know you're working at the moment. She goes, but I would suggest you go, you apply through legal aid, um, you know, um, to get some kind of grant or whatever it's called, where you get money to help with the process because all this stuff is expensive. So I went down that track. Um, definitely went through legal aid. And the thing with legal aid is that, they basically set up conference style meetings where I'm represented by a lawyer, Mark's represented by a lawyer. Everything's dealt with, with a chairperson. When I was going through my divorce, I'm a big fan of the counseling process. Mark and I definitely did try that. It really didn't work. Um, I won't get into the details of that, but we did try. But, and now when it came to the actual, a lot of people still don't do this. Even now I know people that have divorced and separated and they haven't done the financial officially. I'm a bit of an official person. I like things to be Mm. done and sorted. So emotionally you might take your whole life to get over stuff, but you have to do all that kind of paperwork, domestic stuff. So it's a really hard process. It it took two or three years. I don't regret the time that it took because I think everything happens for a time frame for a reason, but going through legal aid was a godsend because it meant that at every time of those times when decisions had to be made, whether for the eventual financial split um, the assets, because that's one part and the other part is the custody split, obviously the childcare, because it gets gritty, gets gritty. You have to talk about who's going to be taking your child with rates into the appointments. I was doing it anyway all the time because I wasn't working. Mm. Mark now said that he was going to come along and he wanted, you know, 50% care. It's like, well, 50% care would mean you're not working full time and doing that. Really? Is that what you're going to be doing? So these are the conversations that we were having in that kind we were doing it off, you know, in terms of ourselves. I found that wasn't working because obviously we're both still very heated in terms of it dissolving. Mm. So us emailing and texting wasn't working. So at one point during it, and I would recommend this for anyone going through a similar process, of course you're going to have those conversations. They're going to be heated. They're going to be yuck. If you can avoid it and just go through the legal process, it just makes things clear. It takes the emotion out of it. You've got a chairperson in the room. You've got a, a legal representative representing both of you. You might think that sounds a bit controlled, but you're going to need it because you've got two adults that are a bit angry and upset that it's dissolved. Yeah. You've got a special needs situation in the room. It needs to be handled in with no emotion because it has to, it just mm. has to, the best thing and, and the best thing has to happen is for both children, not just the child with breast syndrome, but for your other child as well. So mm you need to get that support structure in place. I think that if I didn't have that in place, I probably wouldn't have got as much care. I wouldn't have had, and I'm not, it's not about me being the hog. Like I'm the primary carer. So I needed to make sure that my voice was heard to make sure that I am the primary carer and that being a primary carer does mean that I get the primary assets of the the asset split. But I needed that not because I'm a hog, but because I could provide the best home for the physical home for the kids. So I'm still in the family home. So I think that's important in terms of this transition that they had the same physical location for the majority carer, but that helped in that transition because you're trying to keep, I mean, I think the statistic with people separating and divorce is that if if they're young kids, like it's going to affect them anyway, but you want to make that effect as, as less as possible if you can, Mm. you know, if you can. So I think having one, main place of residence, the the same place of residence is really important. So I was able to do that by going through that process. Um, And also through that process, obviously I was seeing a counsellor just to manage my own emotional stuff as well. But um, so yeah, definitely get 
legal people on side. If you can't financially do it, there are people in government that can help you. That's what Legal Aid's there for. If they can't help you, they'll be able to find you someone that can and look after yourself emotionally, you know, because sometimes when you're going through all this stuff, even though I feel very lucky, I've got family, very, my brothers are an absolute rock for me and they have been at that time. Um, they, were, they gave me a male perspective as well as a brother's perspective, as well as a life perspective, yeah. even, even though they're younger than me. And I really, I mean, sometimes what they had to say I didn't like at all, but you need people like that in your life. So if you don't have people in your family, then find it in a counsellor. I also had a counsellor that I was seeing at that time as well. The lawyer herself was amazing. She was such an inspiration. She was, she only, you know, she only saw me in a time, which I don't relate to now. She took, she saw a version of me that, you know, I was frightened. I was emotional. I was um, scared. Mm. I didn't know how it was all going to end or what it was going to go to, but I was determined that I wanted to make sure that I just have to be, I can't get carried away with what I'm feeling. I need to, what's the best for the kids? Financially assets, because legally that's what it comes down to, financially and custody. Mm. So I had to make sure the girls got the best deal. You know, I didn't really want Mark to have care, not for a financial reason, but just in terms of an emotional reason. I'm glad that I went through that process so that he does have care of the girls, because apart from me having, I guess, some kids go to respite, you know, like a natural house like I don't I don't need to get respite like that because they're with their dad on those days that I don't have them so I think that's a great win from this scenario um the other win is that I am in the family home in this scenario and the other win is that you know Mark and I are still amicable enough because we've gone through the right process and we didn't kill each other in that process to do it where um the girls are safe and they are loved um by both their mum and dad even though we're not together and I think that's a good result to come out of something that's really yuck so I think um people just need to find those people the legal people and the um, emotional people to get through it because it's possible i've gotten through it and if i can get through it and i'm a crazy person then <laughs> anyone else that's in this position can get through it as well there's, there's people to help and you, yeah you can't you really can't do it by yourself even if you're amazing you, you mm-hmm. can't you need people I've, i remember reading about financial management years ago and one of the things that they talked about is that um you know if you're not an expert on finances or if you're not an expert on 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 body chemistry or you go and seek out the experts. So if I'm not an expert in divorcing or separation, you go and seek out people that are in the experts that I've seen a hundred cases like this before that can let you know, okay, what do you want? Okay. This is how we can get there. So you need to just seek Mm -hmm. out the experts. That's what you need to do. Yeah. And I think that's great advice. I think, like you said, you can't do it all by yourself. And obviously going through a separation or divorce, you might not have done it before or you might have, but you still need to go through and find the people that can support you through it. Because at the end of the day, you have, you know, kids, you have two kids that need their mother and their father and need you both happy and healthy. And how do you get through that? You get through that by finding those people that specialize in the situation so i'm really glad that you found those people and they've helped you through it i think the other thing that i just remembered to say because i think during this whole process i was very aware of the fact of like the crazy mums that are in this situation and i'm not judging those mums that have been in this situation that have been labeled crazy but Mm. i didn't want to be that person that was just trying to take everything away from the dad you know because that's Mm. such a stereotype and it definitely happens i've seen it happen and it's awful mm. um and i'm sure it happens on the other foot like dad's being the crazy people but i've seen it more and the, the mum's doing that and i didn't want to be that but i was i was too wrapped up in that sense of not being the crazy person that 
someone actually reminded me, you know, Caroline, you're, you are Charlotte's main primary carer. I know you're trying to be balanced and fair in this, but you can't be balanced and fair because Charlotte needs you more than Mark. So you need to not forget that and stop trying to split everything down the middle because it's not 50-50. Whoever the main carer is in that relationship to your child with Rett syndrome or any other diagnosis, that main carer's role has to be maintained. It has to be fought for. And other yeah. things can't come into play in terms of, oh, it should be equal, because really it's not equal. That child has a main has a main primary carer and for that child's benefit and the other sibling in that family, you have to fight for that. And I think that's something that potentially could be lost if people are trying to be fair or yeah. try and like, and it's like, well, it doesn't come into fair. It comes into what's right for all the children, but more importantly, that child, because that child needs their primary carer for the majority that needs to be maintained because that would be too much of a shift if it had to, obviously if there was a situation where that couldn't be maintained then obviously you'd have to deal with that but if that can be maintained it has mm-hmm. to be fought for because i think that's something that can be maybe overlooked if people don't understand the situation of the um you can't just have a primary care and not be the primary carer i don't think that'll work for the yeah. best the best benefit for that child in terms of charlotte having rent syndrome Thank you so much to Caroline for taking the time to talk to me for the Remarkable podcast. Again, it takes a lot to open up about these topics, but I know that someone out there will benefit from hearing Caroline's story. If you are going through a hard time with any part of your Rett syndrome life, I really hope you can reach out to someone you trust and find someone you can really rely on because as Caroline and I were saying, you don't have to do this alone and there are good people out there who want to help you. Thank you again, Caroline, and thank you for listening to this episode of Remarkable. Remember to let people know about Remarkable. Share our Instagram and Facebook posts during October and beyond. Get in touch and let me know what you think about the podcast. Wherever you are in your Rett Syndrome adventure, or if you're listening to this podcast to learn more about Rett Syndrome, thank you for listening.